How did the COVID pandemic affect children's ministry and children's faith? Both in the way churches had to respond to social lockdowns, and then when churches were able to open back up, but with restrictions. What are the lasting impacts of the pandemic on churches? And were there any unexpected gifts that the pandemic has given the church? And if so, how do we leverage them? Welcome back to the Effective Ministry Podcast, the podcast to help you have an effective youth and children's ministry in your local church. My name is Tim Beelharts. I'm a children's ministry advisor for YouthWorks in Sydney. And today I've got a special guest recording for you. Dr. Sarah Holmes is a lecturer in early childhood studies at Liverpool Hope Hospital in the UK. She is also the brains behind the website nurturingyoungfaith.org and researches children's faith, spirituality and numerous other issues surrounding the nurturing of faith in young people. Back in 2020 and 2021, when the COVID pandemic was in full swing, Sarah was well-placed to be asking the right questions and finding answers as to how COVID was impacting the UK church. And she partnered with other children's ministry researchers from Brazil, Canada, the UK and the US to see if the trends that Sarah was seeing in the UK were also being replicated in other parts of the world. Well, late last year, we had Sarah jump online and present her findings with us at a YouthWorks Think Tank event. These Think Tank events are our way of getting current children's and youth ministry research into the hands of local church ministers to see what we can learn from them. These are just one of the ways that YouthWorks wants to help you to have an effective youth and children's ministry in your church. And if you'd like to be kept up to date on future YouthWorks Think Tank events, then just shoot me an email at effectiveministrypodcast at youthworks.net and I'll make sure you end up on the right mailing list. Well, back to Sarah. What you're about to listen to is Sarah's presentation that evening. uh, And the next episode, we'll be back with a few highlights from the Q&A discussion that we had after our participants had had some time in breakout rooms. So make sure you check that out next week. A couple of other notices. If you still haven't booked in for House Conference coming up at the end of August, then make sure you head to youthworks.net forward slash house to register. The early bird special has finished, but you can still book in and come to hear how to disciple the emotions of young people. Our main stage presenters for this year's House are the Reverend Dr. Keith Condy, Dr. Kamina Wurst, and then we have some breakout sessions. We've got previous podcast guest Trinette Stanley on mental ill health, We have Fiona Smart on building leadership teams. We have another previous podcast guest, Reverend Beck Baines, on the inclusion for those with disabilities. And finally, Miles Elton on the biblical theology of emotions. There's heaps of content to get excited about. It's a great time at House Conference. But that's enough from me. Let's jump in with Dr. Sarah Holmes. Hi, I'm Kamina and I'll be at House Conference this August talking about discipling desires. I'm going to be starting with The Song of Songs, a book where we see really passionate emotions at play. Um, I think Christians, we tend to want to avoid being ruled by our feelings and we can be especially suspicious of our desires because we suspect they're probably twisted by sin and maybe can't be trusted. But in The Song of Songs, we see two people giving themselves over to their feelings in a totally uncontrolled, 
uninhibited way and that can make us feel quite uncomfortable. How do we imitate this joyful abandon to our feelings without letting it lead us astray? So I'm going to talk about how the Old Testament shows us that there are delightful desires and dangerous desires, what that meant for Israel and what it might mean for you as you disciple kids and young people who are learning to manage big feelings and big wants. And this isn't just about sexual desire, but all kinds of desires. How do we teach them to express and embrace their emotions and love things the way God wants them to love as they learn to follow Jesus? Come along and hear it for yourself. I'm really looking forward to seeing you there. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. It's great to be here. I've never been to Australia, so it's lovely to at least be part of a Zoom call. So uh, that's great. I love research. And um, one of the, the greatest things I think about it is that so many people who I speak to about things that I've picked up in research, they say, oh, I was feeling that, but I didn't know everybody else was feeling the same thing. You know, well, I've been pondering that thing myself. I didn't know other people were pondering it too. So I think that's one of the greatest things. And um, Research in children's youth family ministry seems to be really, you know, a growing thing. And so anybody who's, you know, interested in getting involved, that would be absolutely great. Um, because it's it's really great, I think, to uh, intentionally reflect and observe on what's going on around. So that's what I uh, began doing when COVID happened and everyone was kind of thrown into a big panic. And, uh, you know, here anyway in the UK, there's a lot of talk about children. What's this going to do to children's mental health, you know, being locked away uh, in lockdown? And what about the school closures, homeschooling? How is that going to affect children? Lots of talk about this. But there was very, very little about how would it affect children's faith. So that's what I started doing, looking at what's the church doing and responding in terms of children, family, youth ministry. What's going on uh, and what are we doing? What are the, sort of the trends? And as the seasons have gone on and lockdown after lockdown and up and down and various different permutations throughout time, it's been fascinating to speak with colleagues all over the world, really, and to, to hear what's going on. And it seems that this has really been such a universal thing that, you know, things we've experienced here in the UK are so, so similar to the way that many other nations have experienced COVID and faith and church and all those sorts of things. So it's really great to be able to work together to, to hear from one another and reflect together. So I'm going to lead us through some of the observations I've made through my research, but it'd be really great if any of you want to chip in at any time, type into the chat, um, particularly, you know, a few times I'll pause and say, you know, does this resonate with what, where you're at and so on? Because I'm not giving you the answers, <laughs> but what I want to do is to kind of uh, share with you some of our observations, some of what we've heard, some of what we've seen, and perhaps um, show some of the gaps and opportunities and, and things like that. So that's my sort of thinking there. So I'm just going to share this here with you now. This is a quote that I became aware of early in 2021, really, but I thought it was so fascinating at a time when the world was in confusion churches were in confusion what are we doing everything's different um it's, it's all kind of really really difficult and challenging and this quote really uh, i thought was interesting history shows that pandemics and other crises can be catalysts to rebuild society in new ways but that this requires vision and interconnectivity between policymakers at local regional and national levels and I just thought this was so interesting as I say at a time when everybody was perhaps lamenting all the loss, seeing all the problems, the, the issues that were going on, actually to say, right, okay, what can we see growing out of this time in terms of change and, and capitalism? So there's a few other quotes I'll just share with you here. 
in terms of sort of setting a mindset really to think how can we reflect and respond to what's going on now and so I'll just briefly read these Brueggemann talks about disrupting the systems continuities predictable schemes and plans may be positive and indeed evidence of God's capacity to break those schema and formulae and bring good outcome. And uh, Beamish in 2020 was saying ministry needs to be continued, reflective, responsive to the needs. I'm sure you'd all resonate with that. That's pretty much why you're here. So it's great to be with a group of people who are deliberately and intentionally reflecting and, and seeking to respond and so on. And in many cases, enhanced self-assessment, reflection and evaluation has occurred, and that's been beneficial. And so in uh, much of the research I've been doing, and, and particularly the, the international stuff, and um, we had this kind of overarching question, which I've got at the bottom there, what are the gifts of the pandemic? What are the good things? What are the things that we have uh, seen and learned that we can move forward? How can we see this for good and to bring about good change and so on? So I've been speaking with, uh, working with various colleagues in different countries to try and capture what's going on across different settings. And we did various different bits, listening to people, to various surveys, interviews and things like that. So I won't, I won't go too much into it, but that's a bit of a background. And I'm sure you would probably resonate with this. Very, very early on, actually, in the pandemic, these were things that we were observing uh, for children, youth, families. So we, we had this confusion teams people here in the UK because of financial reasons many children and youth workers were made uh, redundant or put on furlough things like this and 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 that created a lot of difficulty people couldn't go into school because they were closed and that was their main avenue of ministry but people in churches who were used to doing things on a Sunday and chatting with children and so on couldn't do that and it was like what am I supposed to do I, I don't feel that I can do what I want to do what I normally do so a lot of confusion and frustration there. Reduced teams, reduced funding, segregated ministries. So we're hearing so many stories about how um, perhaps churches have been working to integrate intergenerational work more, but actually the pandemic really pulled that apart. And there was a lot of adults ministry here, youth ministry here, children's ministry here, and very segregated sort of time a lot of exhausted parents, decreased engagement from parents with the church in that way, and some marginalised groups. So children with special needs perhaps found it more difficult to access church in this way. Younger children, I think youth very strongly, you know, we're hearing found it such a difficult time to be so isolated. As I say, this uh, was a list I created very early on, but I think it's actually continued in various different phases and guises uh, in different ways as the uh, pandemics continued on. So it'd be interesting to hear any of your thoughts from your observations and settings and so on. Definitely discomfort, frustration at the outset, somebody saying there, uh, a lot of quick change and challenges. Yeah, really interesting. Lots of change and a pivot. And I think this was one of the most exhausting things that we hear about from teams and, and those involved in ministry is the continuous change. So the change to do this and then suddenly that doesn't work anymore. We have to change and do this and change. And, and even now we're thinking, what does ministry look like in this? We can't even really say post pandemic because it's not really gone. But, you know, what does what does it look like constantly changing? So somebody's put their lack of younger leaders as people haven't moved to Sydney um, to do uni. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah. So we haven't been able to use those younger leaders. Really interesting. Change fatigue. Yeah, definitely segregated ministries as a practical response. Yeah, that's really interesting. And this is one of the things that has brought me a lot of angst is this 
for many of us who've championed children, youth, family ministry for all this time, it's felt a little bit like it's perhaps been less uh, less prioritised, a little bit marginalised. So we'll talk a bit more about that later. And that's simply because of practicalities of COVID, like you said there. Children no longer involved in church services. Yeah, yeah I've heard that an awful lot. Uh, a bit surprised about less engagement from parents. I think they've engaged more because they've had to. Yeah, really interesting. Thanks. Uh, in some ways, parent discipleship's increased, um, but parents are also overwhelmed. Yeah, and we'll talk about that a bit more. Super. Great. So I'm just going to share my thanks for sharing those uh, thoughts there. And this, this is, you know, a thought, how can we re-energize and re-inspire this sector? That's kind of a, a question for us to ponder as we do. There's been a lot of divide, a lot of disparity and so on. Won't go on about that too much. I'm sure you're very aware of that in your setting. But for some people, they've been very connected. I think some of those comments you've said there, some have connected more, some have connected less. And there's been a lot of disparity there. One of my colleagues in the Netherlands talked about the pandemic as an x-ray. And she said, all it's doing is showing us things that were there all along. All along, these issues are there, but they're more heightened and we're more aware of them because of the pandemic and so on. And so some of these things that have popped on the slide there, traditional tools and resources did not really transfer well to the pandemic context. And some of the sort of challenges there were about professionalism of ministry. So this sense that perhaps we've been heading towards seeing ministry as, you know, doing it really well, super duper, you know, flashy, nice, you know, everything really professional. But actually in that context that we've had we've needed to be a bit more stripped back and a bit more you know everybody having a go and and kind of doing what they can with what they have but also this real interesting tension between large reach and small scale and we actually found these sorts of smaller groupings were so rich and so beneficial compared with perhaps previously we'd always thought you know more is better and bigger context and all this kind of thing we saw a lot of value in those small groups and some Generic versus personal. And this is a really interesting one that, uh, you know, I'm sure many of you saw the various emails giving loads of ideas and things like this. Very generic. But actually what I'll be talking about shortly is that parents and church uh, ministry workers were wanting more personal support and guidance and mentoring and, and signposting and so on. And outreach has been a, a bit challenging as part of it, too. Other things as well, parents feeling ill-equipped and disempowered. Um, how can I connect um, with my child's faith? But then also teens as well, uh, in some places, feeling ill-equipped. Because whereas before, perhaps they'd had this very formulaic material that they would just turn up each week and do on a Sunday, and there it is, um, job done. Now, suddenly, people are having to contextualise and uh, tailor things to their own context. And that's been quite challenging. And um, and I think those uh, people who've mentored and supported church workers in that way has been so beneficial for that reason. Some of the key findings of our multinational work have been that children's youth family ministry has been a little bit less prioritised during the pandemic across many, many, many of the, the nations, many of the denominations that we've spoken to. And I don't think this has been an intentional thing at all. I think if we speak to churches, they would say, we don't want to do this. We don't want to prioritize children less, but it's been just a consequence of practicalities. You know, it's easier to do certain things separately and so on. And I think what one of you had said in the chat there about children not being involved in services, that seems to have happened during the, the sort of severe lockdowns and when restrictions are in place and so on. But it seems to be remaining in a lot of places. And it seems that hearing so many stories about children finding it hard 
to perhaps re-enter back into attending church and so on uh, and families too this requires a new way of working and so interesting there was some talk in the chat there about some parents have connected more because they've had to and some uh, haven't but there, there's really been a strong message coming through in the research I've done about the need for a partnership a genuine partnership church is working more with parents with families uh, in terms of faith formation intergenerationally and this thing of relational connection that was the thing that people just were crying out for um, relational connection rather than producing more and more resources so we heard stories of uh, how people were you know producing these little bags little resource bags going and delivering them to children's houses and so on or perhaps putting on more and more events to try and do this but actually what people were wanting was connection people wanting relationship in terms of connecting back in with church and so on do you think it's important for children and young people to lay a strong foundation of faith well we do too hi I'm Andy Stevenson and I'm the head of the Ministry Support Team and SRE office here at YouthWorks. SRE provides an opportunity for children from Christian families, from the occasional churchgoers, to those kids who've never even heard the name of Jesus before or read the Bible, to come to school, to be in SRE classes, to explore the Christian faith, to discuss big ideas, to hopefully build a firm foundation of faith. You can partner with us in this mission. You can play your part. Your tax-deductible gift today will help this ministry to continue now and into the future. So thank you. Thank you for your support. Go to youthworks.net forward slash give to donate now. One thing which came through really, really strongly, and again, it'd be interesting to, to hear how this perhaps is in your context. In terms of disconnections between different institutions. When we read various accounts, people had written about their experiences at different times of the pandemic. A lot of the conversation was about church or school as a service provider. The church didn't do what we needed. We tried, but they, they didn't sort of do what we wanted. They don't cater for what we need. And there's very much this sense of the church being a service provider for families to kind of use that and if it doesn't work, then we'll kind of move away. And perhaps, as I said, that was there before, but it seems to be really heightened in these times that we're in. So I think now as we're kind of moving forward and thinking what does ministry look like moving forward, I think that's something really interesting to think about. How can we feel more of a collaboration, more of a partnership with parents, with families, with children, with young people, so that it's not this kind of service-led um, mentality and so on. And connecting with that, what is the aim? Is it to kind of give content? Is it to help the child recite the entire Bible? Is it to make sure that they colour in 25,000 colouring sheets a year or whatever? Um, or is it that sense of connection and connecting in with, with church? Is it that sense of seeing role models of faith? And, and what is our aim? And again, as we're moving uh, into this kind of new season, looking at what does ministry look like? What should our aim be? And that's okay to to change from what we've done in the past but I think it's a really good opportunity to reflect on that there was a lot of people talking about being withdrawn and disconnected from church and and what we're hearing again now across different countries is that many families are not returning to church many are which is great but there's many who are saying it's really difficult I heard a story uh, I was doing some interviews here in the UK recently and uh, one mum was saying she returned to church after the lockdown, she didn't particularly want to get rushed back, but she went back recently and uh, it was really, really difficult. The kids just were not connecting in. They didn't know what to do. People were not 
using children as part of the service anymore. It was all very front-led and so on. And at the end, one of the people in the congregation came over to her and said, perhaps next time you come, would you mind if your children wear slippers? Because they were a bit too noisy walking around during the service and very disruptive. And uh, I mean... <laughs> Is she going to go back? Well, she she is because she has a real heart for church. But, you know, th these stories, unfortunately, are not at all isolated. And it seems that adult congregations, this is a very sweeping statement, I know, but some people have become in this mindset of segregated ministry being much better, where we've been trying to include children and, and the youth over the years. So really kind of, I think this is an area for us to really be uh, trying those of us involved in these ministries to speak into how can we help congregations to connect more and to help families to connect more relationally in there. This was a real disconnection that we heard. So about half of the people said their support, their main source of support has been family and Christian friends. So that sense of informal structures. Some did say church and some said school. But it's interesting that churches were saying to us, what we're wanting to do, our main thing that we're trying to do is to support families. And yet, actually, many of the families weren't particularly saying that was helpful. So again, I think that's interesting for us to reflect and to say when we perceive that we are supporting families, we're supporting children, we're supporting um, young people, is that actually hitting the mark or can we kind of tweak that and improve that and listen to what's going on? So interesting, I think it was Tim who put in the, the chat there, some had increased their engagement and this, this was what we found. Brilliantly, 25% of the parents who responded to us said that their family faith conversations and so on had increased which is really exciting I think for those of, of us who want to, to see that boosted and um, and so you know that's great how can we continue to, to develop that and resource that 32% decreased others they reported the faith had again been enriched that's great and 10% reported increased discipleship in the home so if you add all of those together there's a significant portion of people who found this time to be really enriching in terms of their faith at home, more intentional doing these conversations and praying together and so on. So again, how can we see that as a gift? How can we continue to support those families in doing that in an ongoing way? We don't need to rush back to saying, well, you don't need to do that anymore because um, churches are open again. But how can we support people in doing that? Churches were asked what they thought Christian parents wanted. And uh, this is what uh, they were saying, reconnection with the church, support, being listened to, valued and so on, support to grow Christian faith in the home. But then when we also ask this, the same people the question, what are you doing? What's your ministry models at the moment? That really wasn't matching. So it was very much, well, we're doing this service at this time. We're putting this event on. We're doing this. Uh, and so I think that's really interesting, again, for us to reflect on. We may know what we think people are wanting and needing and so on but does that actually match what we're doing or are we just continuing perhaps with the ministry models which have been there in the past but also how can we challenge those in our churches to think about this this was about partnership so the vast majority of people wanted to be working with the church to support their child's faith it was only this small number here only 1.2 percent of the parents wanted the church to take complete responsibility for their child's faith, which is really illuminating, I think, because perhaps we often perceive that parents don't care and they just want us to do the lot. But there was a real strong message 
that they wanted to do this in partnership. But also I've popped there at the bottom some Barna research, which shows that that many parents are more likely to rely on the church for that. So, so I think it's a complex issue, but we need to be not presuming that parents want to be passing it all to us, but working very much in partnership. But this sense of there were various disconnections and uh, people wanting, parents wanting support for faith at home and not necessarily feeling church was there to be supported. So the, the second big theme, I guess, so that was one theme in terms of disconnections and disparity in terms of what parents were wanting and thinking and feeling compared with what was going on in the churches. But a significant finding was that most of the churches did not have a clear vision and strategy for their children's and family and youth uh, ministry. And we were staggered by this. I mean, we had a hunch that perhaps there would be some that didn't, but this was really uh, fascinating. And, and again, you know, I've put here those two quotes from the beginning. We, we need to be intentional. We need to be reflective, responsive in order to kind of capture the move out of the pandemic. And so without having a set strategy uh, and, and a deliberate focus of what we're doing, then how on earth can that be effective and so on? And so three challenges there. The responses to our questions about strategy revealed quite a lot of confusion about what is strategy, because many said, well, what is your strategy? Well, we're doing services. We're inviting parents to sit with their children during church or something like that. Or, you know, uh, our, our strategy is we're going to once a month put on a, a lunch for families to come to together or this kind of thing. So it was like they were perhaps talking about what they're doing and individual elements, perhaps their program, rather than thinking, what's a strategy? Well, we want to be showing that we care. We want to be relationally connecting and so on. So, so there was that kind of interesting thing there, but also strategy, this was so, so strong. Strategies are often determined not by the children, family, youth, ministry leaders, but by senior levels of leadership in the church. And this was coming through so, so strongly in all right across the board, all the different settings, this sense that, and again, I think this was a hunch that we perhaps had, but it was so staggering to see um, how many people were frustrated by this, that, you know, I'm doing all this kind of work in my children's youth work, but because of the, the things that are set by the church leadership, it's being impeded and held back. And so we've done a follow-up piece of work where we're asking church leaders what do you think is the place of children, youth, family in your church? How much do you think you should be involved as a church leader? And we've just released the kind of preliminary shorts of key things, which I'll show you shortly on that. But we're putting the report out in about a month. But what's really exciting is the questions that we used for that uh, survey, we've been finding are actually a very useful tool for children's youth ministry leaders to actually go and have those conversations with church leadership and say, well, what is our strategy? What do we do to show children that we genuinely value and include them and so on? And so I think this is a really interesting thing to think about. How can we facilitate those conversations with leadership of churches to really drive an effective strategy and vision for this ministry area moving forward? So this is just some of the key findings. We sent this questionnaire out to church leaders and we said, do you think children's and family ministries should be part of your role as a church leader? And really interesting. We were quite surprised by this. 78% said yes, it should be. Now we didn't 
do a follow-up question to say, what do you do sort of as part of that? But we have got some other um, longer paragraph answers that we're going to dig into a bit more to see how that actually translates to practice. This thing here, how uh, 80% said that they always or sometimes involve children in the mission of the church, which is great news. And, and again, we were a bit surprised, I think, that that was so high. But perhaps this is, you know, a statistic that we can go and say, right, OK, and we can use it to, to kind of challenge and inspire those churches who perhaps aren't including children and young people quite so well. How much does your church invest? And it's interesting, we found less than 20% of the congregation are involved in children and family ministry, which is quite sad to hear, really. And almost half of the respondents said they rarely or never provide training for the teams. So it's great to hear about the work that YouthWorks is doing in terms of that sort of training and so on. But I think, you know, if we can try and get this wider and try and somehow spark the church to invest more fully in children's youth family ministry and so on, this is a real challenge, I think, for us at this time. In terms of, this was an interesting one, how regularly do church leaders meet with ministry teams? Only a third said that they meet regularly. And so, again, that's perhaps something. How do we foster more of a conversation so that it feels more that children's youth family ministry is more integral to church life and so on? So, as I say, we've got the full report coming out uh, in about a month with, with that, which will be really, really interesting. We've asked church leaders, what is your vision? What do you want to see happening in terms of uh, ministry moving forward and so on? So that's coming out. So that's just some of the uh, the observations and the findings that I've had coming out of my work. But it will be really interesting, I think, now to perhaps go into breakout rooms and to, to, to discuss that and to hear which of those bits resonate with your own experience, you know, which perhaps, you know, some of it doesn't at all. Perhaps, you know, starting to spark some thinking, how could you start these conversations going in terms of your own setting? Or, but also, how can we encourage others? To, uh, to think about these things more deeply. The Effective Ministry Podcast is a production of YouthWorks in Sydney. We want to see effective youth and children's ministry in every church. And one of the ways that you can help us do that is by letting people know about this podcast in all the usual ways, like comment, share and review on your favourite social media and podcasting platform. If you've got comments, thoughts or questions for this podcast, you can email us at effectiveministrypodcast at youthworks.net and also check out youthworks.net for other ways that YouthWorks can help you have an effective youth and children's ministry in your church.